Apollo Windows and Doors of Wisconsin has six lines to fit your style and financing to fit any budget. Through November 30th, choose 12 months, no payments and no interest, plus 20% off installation. Set your free consultation now at PellaWI.com. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. It's why we cannot have nice things. I don't know if you've heard this story before. But it involves a woman and her family, and they were visiting the Christmas Carnival of Lights at Jellystone Park in Caledonia. Okay, so th- this is the deal. They're there to see the light display, not unlike lots of light displays in the area. So here's what happens. They, they go, and they're there. They've got kids, and they've got their 11-month-old dog. dog's name is Bruno that, that's in the car. So here's what happens. Apparently, the they get there, and as they're looking at the lights and stuff, one of the kids says, hey, Mom, can, can we go inside the shop and grab some cocoa and some popcorn? Okay, so the, the family says, okay, sure, we'll, we'll do that. So it, it's cold. So what they do, it, it's, it's a festival of lights. It's a holiday season thing of lights. And so what they decide to do is, <clears throat> here, we, we've, we're just going to run in to get ourselves some, some hot cocoa and some popcorn, and then we're going to come back and we're going to do the drive through and all. So they don't want to bring the dog. I don't know if the dog's even allowed in where they're going to get the, the hot cocoa and stuff. So what they do is they stop the car. They leave the car running so the dog doesn't get too cold. They run in to get the popcorn and the cocoa. They're there for just a couple minutes. Now, this is at Jellystone Park, the, the Christmas lights display. They come out. They've only been inside for a couple minutes, and the dog is is gone. The, the dog is gone. Um, the car is gone. And, of course, the, the, the family starts freaking out. My car is stolen. Can you call 911? My dog is in there, etc. So this, this, the dog disappears for a couple days. They ended up um, putting out putting out a reward for the return of the dog. Couple days later, the the car is found, you know, ditched somewhere on the south side of Milwaukee, but the dog is still gone. Now, the good news behind this story is that apparently the the family gets an anonymous phone call from what they describe as some kids um, after the, the car has been abandoned, and they say that the, the dog, if you go to a particular park, you're going to find the dog, and the dog is tied to a tree. And so they go, and they're able to recover the, the dog. So the, the car is returned after a couple days. The dog is returned after a couple days longer. So that the bottom line, is, uh, the, the story, I guess, all's well that ends well except the fact that you have this family who has been you know, victimized because they're, they're, they decide that, hey, we're going to go in to this holiday lights display and get some cocoa and some popcorn, and we're, we're going to leave the car running because we don't want the dog to get too cold. But apparently, around here, it has gotten again so bad that you, you cannot leave your car unattended for any stretch of time anywhere in Milwaukee County without 
I don't know, coming out and finding out that the vehicle is gone. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I lump this in the category of, I, I guess this is why we cannot have nice things. And on the one hand, maybe you say, what were these people thinking that even if you're in the middle of this holiday display and it's a Christmas stuff that, that you would, you would even think about like leaving your, your car running with, with the dog in it, even for just a couple minutes. On the other hand, it's a Christmas lights display. You go in to get hot cocoa for just a couple minutes. Shouldn't we be able to expect that if you if you turn your back for just a couple minutes, your your car is not going to disappear. And what does it say about the community we're living in where you can't turn your back for even a couple minutes without your car and your dog being stolen, regardless of where you are? 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. On the one hand, you want to say, well, how dumb are these people? I mean, they, they left the car running and they left the dog in there and, and the car was unattended for a couple minutes. And, and I guess I understand that on one level. But the bigger point is, do we really want to live in a world where crime is so out of control that you can't go to a holiday lights display and walk away for a couple minutes without you know coming back and finding your car stolen and is it really have we gotten to this point where you have i don't know roving packs of thugs and thieves that are just prowling everywhere looking for an opportunity or a moment where somebody lets their guard down 855-616-1620 we discuss in a moment back to take your calls here's wtmj's jeff wagner Please join Good Karma Brand, 620 WTMJ, in the 3rd Street Market Hall for a United for Waukesha charity event that occurs today. That's Wednesday, December 22nd. Your $100 ticket includes food samples from the future 3rd Street Market Hall vendors, steak from Carnivore, and two drink tickets for the bar. Plus, former Brewers all-star catcher Jonathan LaCroix will be in attendance. The event will take place tonight, 5 p.m. to 8 p.m., with 100% of the proceeds benefiting those affected by the tragedy at this year's Waukesha Christmas Parade. For tickets or additional information, text the word TICKET to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. Look, I mean, I understand. You, you hear this story. And and the re- reaction is, okay, how dumb they're they're at this holiday lights event in Caledonia, and it's everybody's in the spirit of the holidays, and you've got a couple kids who decide that, hey mom, can you take us inside to get us some cocoa and some popcorn? And they run in for a couple minutes, and they they've left the car running, and they've left the dog outside for just a couple minutes, and you come back, and in the space of five minutes, boom, the, the car is gone. And on the one hand, I understand people saying, well, how dumb? How, how could you just leave the, the car running? But maybe the larger point is, we, we get the world we live in, and are we really willing to tolerate a, an environment where you can't do that? You, you can't be at, at this type of setting for and, wa- and turn your back for even a couple minutes because there's going to be a bunch of thieves or punks or whatever that are going to be there, and they're just going to wait to find that, and they're going to steal it. I mean, that's the world we're living in now, and do we want to tolerate that? Let's start with Linda in Milwaukee. Linda, you're first. Hello. Hi. How are you, Jeff? Good. What do you think? Um, I appreciate your sentiment. I don't want to live in this kind of a world. The reality is it is this kind of world, and unless society starts changing, and I think take care, parents especially, work on teaching 
their children a little bit better. This is going to happen, and I still think the woman is either has a sense of entitlement or is very stupid in this society to even think that was going to be fine for two or three minutes. I won't even start my car to warm it up if it's 20 below without sitting in it. Right, you because just don't leave right, cause you, cause you, know, you know that there are people that are driving through neighborhoods just hoping to find an unattended car for a minute or two to to go in and steal it. I, and I, I mean, I, I understand. I guess on the one hand, you can say, oh, that, that's really dumb. But but should it be that way? I mean, I guess that's my point, Linda. What does it say that you can't go to a Christmas holiday lights display and not turn your back for a couple minutes without, you know, some punks being there looking to, to seize it? I mean, is is that what every kid in Milwaukee is doing, wandering around looking for somebody to leave their car unattended so they could rip it off? No, but I think there's a large majority of them, majority of them who, for whatever reason, don't have their parents there or some kind of a other adult presence because of work, you know, work commitments or just yeah. don't give a damn that this group, this generation, yeah. thinks this is okay and our courts, too, just kind of give people a slap on the wrist. No, no, they, absolutely. I mean, no accountability. I mean, here's a text, Jeff. I don't think the family did anything wrong. People suck. And if we didn't have prosecutors and judges that are tough on crime and people who are raised with good morals, it's only going to get worse. I, I mean, yeah, it's it, it's sort of like this is uh, even the more extreme example of what Linda was talking about, the, the idea that you you cannot leave your car in your own driveway warming up on a 10 degree below morning morning with with the car running you can't do that that's just the the reality because if you do it will be gone in a matter of moments that and that's that that is the reality so you can't do it it's kind of like why you can't have nice things my larger point is why do we tolerate this I mean, yes, I, I appreciate the advice. Oh, no, she, she shouldn't have run in, left the car running to keep the dog warm for a couple minutes. Shouldn't have done that. But at the same time, you're, you're thinking, who who's going to steal my car at this holiday Christmas lights display when I'm gone for three or four minutes? Do you really have these groups of roving teenagers that are everywhere looking to find, oh, that's the car. Let's move in and steal it. And apparently the answer in Milwaukee is yes. But But why do we put up with that? Let's talk to Zach in Waukesha. Zach, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, thanks for having me. Hi, Zach. Um, listening, listening to your talk, I uh, have a little, not really different. My question, I guess, to you is like, not that we should tolerate, because we definitely shouldn't, but what is the the fix of tolerating plus not tolerating it? Like, you know, calling the judges, you know, calling judges, calling prosecutors, is that the the way to to fix it because yeah, no one should have to tolerate their car being stolen you know mm-hmm. oh the like I, I don't if someone stole my car i'm not going to tolerate it. i'm going to find my car but like what's the you know are we, is, does everyone have to be like mayfair mall all right you're under 16 you have to have a parent you know is that is that does everyone have to do that like i'm just trying to figure how are these how have solutions to not tolerate it well i mean i think i think I that the, the sol- okay so thanks for calling I me mean, i'll give you my solution i've been saying this repeatedly we we treat theft car theft like it's a joke around here there and I, i'll give you the numbers again i don't mean to sound like a broken record but we're in the city of milwaukee just the city not even talk about milwaukee county the city of milwaukee has over 10,100 car thefts this year. That is more 
total car thefts than the city of Chicago has. And Chicago has a population of five, five times greater than Milwaukee. I, I'm not talking about per capita. I'm talking about, you know, period, just the raw numbers. So my short-term answer to that is when, and what do we know? Of the people that have been arrested for car thefts this year, about half of them, approximately, are under the age of, of 16, 16 or under. So my answer is, yeah, when you catch these people that are doing this, you, you don't, you don't just slap them on the wrist. You don't send them home to mom and dad who obviously aren't able to control them. What you do is you start imposing serious penalties. And, and yes, maybe that means at some point in time after you've had a third or four car, th- fourth car theft conviction or juvenile delinquency act, maybe the district attorney decides to show some guts, wave the person into adult court, and yeah, maybe they spend three or four years in prison as a way of telling them that you cannot do this. Matter of fact, I've got a story about that coming up of all places from the People's Republic of Madison. I'll share that with you after the bottom of the hour news. Ron in Sheboygan. Ron, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Thanks for having me on. Hi, Ron. I think it's time that we petition our... Hello. Hi, go ahead. Yeah, I got you. Okay, I think it's time that we petition our assemblymen and our state senators and have them reclassify the terminology carjacking to grand theft auto, punishable by five years in jail, and if they're juveniles, they get waived into adult court and then enforce that law. And I think you'd see a great reduction in the 30 or more carjackings the average per day in Milwaukee. I, you know, I, no, 30 or more. <laughs> we're, we're averaging, oh, no, I'm, you know, car thefts. I don't know how many carjackings there are. But yeah, I, I, you know, Ron, thanks for, I, I agree with you entirely. And, you know, maybe we'll talk about this a little bit later. I mean, the, the soon to be acting mayor, he rolls out this big proposal yesterday to deal with reckless driving and things like that. And I'm, I, including let's, let's bring back some retired police officers to investigate these things. And I have no problem with anything he's saying. But, but the underlying issue is, Unless there is accountability, it doesn't make any difference. And as long as you allow people to steal four, five, ten cars, um, if they're 15 or 16 or 17 years old, without treating them as adults, without, like you're talking about, Ron, having sufficient penalties, and, and maybe, yes, we're going to send them to jail. Absolutely, that's what we're going to do. Until you do that, this is going to continue to go on. So, I mean, I I understand. Should Should the lady... Um, and I, I was saying it's Milwaukee County. Caledonia is actually Racine County. The people that stole the car were, I believe, from Milwaukee because that's where they found the, the thing. But, yes, can you go anywhere in this area without people stealing cars? And, yeah, I, I get it. The cops say don't leave your car unlocked and running because it's going to be gone. What's the next step? Is it going to be, all right, you have to lock and deadbolt all your doors and windows because otherwise people will come in and they will break in and it's going to be your fault. Now, I mean, is, is it a good idea to suggest to people, okay, well, don't leave your door unlocked? Yeah, obviously it is. But at the same time, don't we have to recognize that, you know, we, it, we, put all these rules on the people who are following the law. When are we going to hold the thieves, the punks, the carjackers? When are we going to hold them accountable? Because we're doing a lousy job at that. So the, the 
bottom line of the story is, I guess all's well that ends well. The the family was inconvenienced and was terrorized by virtue of the fact that their dog w- was taken. If you are driving anywhere in this listing area and you've got a dog in the car or kids in the car or whatever, here's the bottom line. You cannot leave them in the vehicle unattended because there's a decent chance that that car will not be there when you come back. And under no circumstances can you leave the car running, even if you're trying to keep the kid warm or the dog warm or whatever, because if you leave the car running, your car is most likely going to be gone because we have roving bands of thieves running around just looking for you to let your guard down. It's not necessarily the world that we want to live in, but it sure as heck the world that we do live in. And I'm not sure anybody's really committed to making a change, which makes me wonder, this is, again, why people can't have nice things. Back with more in a minute. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Somewhere along the line, we we abandoned the whole idea of broken windows policing. Broken windows policing is the theory that says little stuff matters. And if you stop the little stuff, you make it less likely that little stuff becomes big stuff. And and that the theory would be, okay, if you see a kid with a rock and the kid throws the wind, a rock at a window and breaks the window, if you, if you deal with that, if you catch him and you impose consequences for throwing the rock and breaking the window, maybe, no guarantee, but just maybe that will stop the kid from breaking other windows. But the theory is, though, if you let him just go, hey, I broke that window, was able to get away with it. Well, next time, three weeks later, he goes out and he breaks three windows. And the next thing you know, you're breaking into cars. That That's the whole theory. And it starts, it starts to escalate the idea that you just let the little stuff go. If you think back, if, if you've raised kids, it's essentially that theory. Let's say you catch your child, I don't know, stealing money from mom's purse. And, and you, you catch them and you say, that's wrong. You do not steal. You don't steal. It's in, inappropriate. And you say, do not do that again, or there's going to be consequences. So then what happens is if you catch the kid a week later and they're trying to steal money out of mom's purse, you've got a couple ways to go. You can say, well, I told you that's wrong. Don't do that. Or you can say, look, I told you there was going to be consequences. So now you're grounded for a, a month or, or whatever. Which of those two results just saying, I told you not to do it, please don't do it, or punishing the child, which is the more likely to deter that behavior? Well, I think in most cases, by imposing some sort of punishment, and then by, if the kid does it again, then you impose, okay, you were grounded for a week, now you're going to be grounded for a month. And I think most of us say, well, well, yeah, that just that just kind of makes sense. But when it comes to punishing criminals, we don't do that. We, we just flat out try to come up with everything we can think of to slap people on the wrist and not have there to be consequences. And then as a result, we're surprised that there's 10,000 cars that get stolen in the city of Milwaukee. So that's why this story was so eye-opening. Here is the headline, and this story appears in, of all places, the Wisconsin State Journal. Sir, you need to go to prison. Judge tells stolen car joyrider who gets eight years. Eight years for stealing cars. And this is in Madison. Well, so now, now I am intrigued because if there's any juvenile, if there's any court system that is worse 
than Milwaukee County in Wisconsin, it would be Madison. But here's the deal. Let me share the story with you. A two-year spree of recklessly joyriding in stolen cars, some taken during home burglaries as their owners slip, came to an end Tuesday for a Madison man when a judge sentenced him to eight years in prison. Circuit Judge Ellen Burrs said the sentence for Trevion Thurman was the first time outside a homicide or child sexual assault case that she had ever sentenced someone to prison for their first adult convictions. Hmm. All right. First adult conviction. Guy's 20 years old. All right. Now he's, he's doing eight years. Well, what's going on? The judge says, sir, you need to go to prison. Thurman, 20, pled guilty in September to charges in eight of the 26 felony cases he started accumulating a month after he left the Lincoln Hills School where he had been incarcerated for juvenile crimes. He pleaded guilty to four counts of operating a motor vehicle without an owner's consent, two counts of taking and driving a motor vehicle without the owner's consent, two counts of second-degree reckless endangerment. All of the crimes occurred in 2019 and 2020, starting when he was 17. Thurman get this, would sometimes broadcast live video of himself while speeding around the Madison area in stolen cars, sometimes showing the speedometer at speeds over 100 miles an hour. In one instance, he broadcast himself going about 140 in a stolen car. In statements to the judge, the victims of those crimes begged her to send Thurman to prison where most hoped he would mature and come out of prison a better person. Most said what they endured went beyond mere property theft. They lost the feeling of safety and security they had before their homes were burglarized as they slept and their cars were taken. Yes, to every prosecutor in the Milwaukee DA's office and every judge who deals with criminal cases as adults or juveniles, this is the key. Car theft and these things, it's not a victimless crime. It's that 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 loss of security you feel when your stuff is stolen. One woman, a real estate agent, said her car was essentially her office and not having it impaired her ability to make a living. She said the quick trip wanted money from her after her car was filled up with stolen gas. The car eventually came back to her in shambles, costing more than $16,000 to repair. But insure, her insurer won't pay to rekey the car to keep it from stolen, being stolen again because her car key is still out there somewhere and she has been unable to sell it. Um, let's see. A construction company project manager who was staying in Madison for work at the Veterans Hospital was struck in his vehicle at 55 miles an hour by Thurman, who had been going 85 miles an hour in a stolen car on Mineral Point Road on Glenway Street. A veteran of Afghanistan and Iraq, he was never injured while in the Air Force, but because of the crash, he now has a metal rod in one of his legs and a lifelong disability. I believe he should spend the next few years thinking this over in prison. Um, and it goes on and on. But you get this idea. Um, the judge said there wasn't enough. He said, look, Thurman had burned her trust in him after she had reduced his bail earlier when the jail population was being reduced as a countermeasure to COVID. Within hours of his release, Thurman had broken her order that he remain at home at all times and he was committing new crimes involving stolen cars. Gee, you let this guy out, you give him a break, and what happens? He's stealing cars within a few hours. The judge says, you've shown us clearly that if you are released into the community, you will harm people. I have learned. To which, 
the congregation says amen. But I guess the, the point here is, what will it take for prosecutors in Milwaukee County and judges in Milwaukee County to learn? And this is where it ties back into this whole broken windows concept. All right, here you have a, a, a kid who essentially, I don't know, because we can, we seal juvenile records, so we don't know how many car thefts and how many crimes he committed um, when he was 14 and 15 that got him originally sent to Lincoln Hills. But maybe... Maybe if we had been aggressive with that early on, you know, maybe he would have learned his lesson. Maybe if we had treated him as an adult, for example, after he'd stolen, oh, I don't know, his fifth or tenth car as a juvenile, maybe if we had treated him as an adult, maybe he wouldn't have been out on the streets at 17 stealing car after car after car. So finally you get to this point where here you have a guy who's now 20 years old who's been essentially a career criminal and now you got to put him away for eight years and the only that's and i appreciate it. the judge is saying look i there's nothing else i can do if i don't send you to prison for eight years i know darn well that you're going to be out on the streets doing the same thing again as soon as you get out maybe just maybe if we had i don't know given the guy three years back when he you know stole his eighth or tenth car maybe he would have learned his lesson now maybe not but at the very least, if he was off the streets then, he wouldn't have been in a position to steal all these cars, drive 140 miles an hour, slam into people in stolen vehicles, and injure the population. At least we would have been able to protect ourselves. But this is the whole idea of not doing something doesn't help. And finally, what happens is after you don't do something time and time again, you get to a choice where you, you've got no you've got no choice but to drop the hammer. I mean, it's like what happens to these juveniles around Milwaukee where, OK, you steal car after car after car. You're never held accountable. You drive 100 miles an hour fleeing the cops. You run red lights. You're never held accountable until you go through the red light on Good Hope Road and you hit somebody head on and you kill a couple people. Well, at that point in time, we say, okay, well, now you're going to go to prison for 20 years. But (laughs) people are dead. And, you know, the kid is now going to have to be warehoused for 20 years. Maybe maybe if we did something to him and incarcerated him for a year or two after, oh, I don't know, the third high-speed police chase, maybe then they would have gotten the idea. Now, maybe not. I understand maybe they're just going to come out a more sophisticated criminal. But th- this idea of not doing anything just flat doesn't work. And then finally, you get to a point where you just have to do something. I don't know that sending this guy to prison for eight years is particularly extreme, but it's it's the only choice that you had. When will the DA's office wake up? When will the court system wake up? When will the legislature wake up and recognize that our juvenile justice system is a joke and it needs to be rebuilt from the start? And when will people finally stand up and say, we're sick of this, enough is enough when it comes to crime? That would be my New Year's wish for 2022. I'm not holding my breath. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. Yep, Christmas coming up Saturday. This weekend is your next chance to hear the brand new WTMJ holiday radio show, It's a Wonderful Career, starring Gene Miller and the WTMJ players, plus surprise visits from some of your favorite personalities around the Badger State. Tune in this Friday, that's Christmas Eve at noon and 6 p.m., or tune in Sunday at 11 a.m. or 7 p.m. for the WTMJ holiday radio show, It's a Wonderful Career, sponsored by Gruber Law Offices, Drake & Associates, and Dave Drake Camp Heating and Benefiting, Capco's Kids to Kids. 
Kids Toy Drive. For people who are wondering, well, why isn't the holiday radio show airing, airing on Saturday, which is Christmas Day? It's because the Green Bay Packers are playing the Cleveland Browns on Christmas Day, and you can hear it here on WTMJ. All right. Now, if you listen to this program regularly, including the last 50 minutes or so, you you know that I carry on frequently about the out-of-control crime and how frustrated that we as law-abiding citizens should be that nobody seems to be willing to do anything about it. It's when it comes to at least holding the perpetrators accountable. So you might be a little bit surprised with my my comment on, on this next story, because what I think the legislature did is 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 wrong. Okay, so here's the deal. There um the legislature was going through the the process of increasing employee state employees salaries. And as and as a general rule, people um are getting a 2% across the board pay raise. That that's it for for state employees. So here's the deal. You have state lawmakers who like everybody are outraged at the decision by the Milwaukee County District Attorney's Office to release this Daryl Brooks character, the, the guy who everybody agrees should have not been released on bail. He was released on bail. He's responsible for six people's deaths and the in, uh, injuries of dozens and dozens and dozens of more in you know what happened at the Waukesha Christmas Parade. Now, as I have argued repeatedly, that the, the key element of this is, despite the fact that the district attorney in Milwaukee County tries to play this off as a one-off, oh, this was just a mistake and it was made by a you know overworked, the young assistant district attorney. I mean, I understand Chisholm throws, throws her under the bus, but the problem is bigger than that. If you look at the numbers and what we're starting to see, that the, the Daryl Brooks case is just the tip of the iceberg. There is a philosophy in the Milwaukee County District Attorney's Office to not not put people on bail. What we want to do is we want to try to release people on the smallest amount of bail possible. We want to defer prosecution. We don't want to incarcerate people. And we have seen the results of that. It is a complete and total failure. So anyhow, what the legislature does yesterday, legislative committee decided that, okay, we don't like what happened in Milwaukee County. All right. I, nobody likes what happened here and nobody should like what's been happening in Milwaukee County for the longest period of time. But here's what they did. The district attorney, district attorneys across the state are state employees. So it is the state that sets the salary level. All right. The district attorney in Milwaukee County currently makes around one hundred and forty five thousand bucks. That's the district attorney. The rate was supposed to go up to. $154,000, but that wouldn't be until January of 2025. Now, you might say, well, well why, why is it going to be that long for the race? Well, it's because under state law, you cannot, if you're a sitting elected official, you can't get a pay raise until your term expires and the new term starts. So under the way it was set up, if John Chisholm were to run for re-election in 2024 and the people of Milwaukee County would decide to go brain dead and re-elect him, well, then he'd get the raise in 2025. That's the way that this would work. Similarly, if Chisholm decides not to run, or runs and loses, whoever it is that's the next district attorney would get that increased raise. Okay, that, that's kind of the way it works. Well, what the legislature has done is because they're unhappy with what the district attorney did, they've decided to pull back the raise. 
So they've said no raise for the Milwaukee County District Attorney. So in January of 2025, all right, the, the pay is going to remain frozen at 145 grand, which I, I understand some people think it's a lot of money, but let's and it is a lot of money. But but putting it in perspective. You know, it was a raise that was scheduled, and all other, I think, district attorneys across the state are getting raises. Here, Here's the thing with this. This doesn't really punish Chisholm. I mean, I guess I, I looked at this, and I said, okay, what is the point of, of doing this? If, if you want to punish Chisholm, well, it, it doesn't punish Chisholm because he's going to continue to draw his salary for the next several years. What it does is it punishes the next person who becomes the district attorney in Milwaukee County, because you're saying because of Chisholm's screw ups, you know, that that next person isn't going to get that raise that would otherwise they would otherwise get. And I, I kind of throw up my arms at this and say, OK, w- what are you trying to accomplish? If you think that that's what this position is worth, the district attorney's job in Milwaukee County is worth 154 grand and you think it's worth that. But why would you not allow the next occupant of that office to have the raise? And again, if back in if in November of 2024, the people of Milwaukee County decide for whatever reason that they want to return John Chisholm to office, well, okay, then they've made that decision. But by prohibiting a raise, you you in all likelihood don't hurt Chisholm because I think he's got no chance of getting reelected again if he runs. All you do is maybe discourage somebody else from running because they're not going to get this raise to which they're otherwise entitled to. And I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's like, okay, I, I get the idea if you want to figure out a way to punish Chisholm for what happened with Daryl Brooks and what's been going on in the office and all these things. I understand that and I'm sympathetic to it, but denying the next occupant of that office a raise four years from now doesn't, or three years from now, doesn't really accomplish any of those things. And I, I think it, it actually, quite candidly, the word I was going to use is, is petty and, and in some respects counterproductive because if the idea is you, you want to get Chisholm out of office, well, all right, you've perhaps made it less desirable. Now, look, I think somebody wants to be the DA. The difference, does it mean if you pay 155 versus 145, does that mean that they're not going to run? Well, well, no. But at the same time, it, it doesn't, if the idea is punishing Chisholm, figure out a way that's going to, and you want to hit him in the pocketbook for bad decisions, oh, okay, maybe there's something you can do, but denying the next guy a raise isn't it. All right, when we come back, we are going to pivot All right, I've had some time to think about President Biden's address to the nation that you heard on this program yesterday. I've got some thoughts, and we're going to open up the phone lines about what the future of the war against COVID really is. Has Biden pivoted? And even if he won't say it, does the pivot maybe make some sense? I'll explain. We'll discuss. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the program. All right. Sometimes it is difficult to discuss an issue with nuance here. Um, especially when it comes to COVID. So I, I want to be real clear about this because whenever I go down this route, I, you, I always get these texts from people who say, oh, you, you, you've just been a COVID denier from the beginning, which of course has been untrue. Or also, hey, you're one of these guys that believes that you know we need to shut down the world to deal with COVID, which is also untrue. If you were 
I don't know, if you were the guy at PolitiFact or the people at PolitiFact that make the decisions about the big lies of the year, and this year it's going to be that the election was stolen, but there's another one that I think should get a lot of consideration, and that is Joe Biden during the political campaign saying, when I am elected, we are going to, what was the exact phrase he used? Oh, yeah, we're going to shut down the virus. Remember, that's what Biden was saying. We're going to shut down the virus. And, of course, we, we know that COVID-19 has, has not been shut down. And in some, you can make, I mean, maybe the argument that with this latest variant, it's it's perhaps worse than ever, depending on how you want to define worse. And that's despite the fact that we have vaccines and all these things. So we, we know we did not shut down the virus, just like I think President Trump got way too much blame for COVID. Although, I mean, I think his big problem was that he tried to downplay the significance in an effort to not panic people. I mean, Joe Biden and the Democrats decided they were going to seize on on this issue, successfully work. They wrote it into the White House. But now after having promised that they were going to shut down the virus, they find that the, the virus, you know, they have not been able to shut it down. And that's why Biden's approval ratings are like in the low 40s and with, with no end in sight. So what happened yesterday, and I we played the entire I I won't say press conference. It was a speech that then kind of turned into a press conference on the air. And and what you saw was, in my opinion, kind of a a pivot um, that without necessarily saying it it is a pivot. I I think Biden acknowledged that we're not going to be able to to shut down the virus, quote unquote, anytime soon. So you heard him repeatedly say we want people to get vaccinated. We want you to get, you know, your boosters. But his approach was to say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make 500 million free tests available, and we're going to send them out, and we're going to try to get this whole testing thing that's going. Now, I have, have, by the way, no problem with that. But to me, when you say, okay, we're going to do this testing, that is an acknowledgement that COVID is not going anywhere anytime soon, which I candidly believe is is the reality of this. Just personal story. Um, over, I want to say, I'm just, I'll go back for the last two weeks, just people in my life. And I don't want to go into too many details, you know, people in my life, friends and maybe extended family members and people I know, I would say off the top of my head, I can think of at least a half dozen people in my life who I know who have tested positive for COVID. Now, in all cases, These are people who were fully vaccinated. In most of the cases, these are people who were fully vaccinated and had a booster. And in a handful of the cases, it was people who were fully vaccinated, had had COVID before, and had, in fact, had a booster. And they've all tested positive for COVID. Now, the good news and this, the people in, that I'm talking about range, range the gamut from teenagers to people that are in the eight, or 80s. Just a wide spread of this. But, and the, the good news is that nobody, knock on wood, at least thus far, ha, has had any sort of what I'm going to describe as serious complications. Nobody's had to be hospitalized. And in most of the cases, it's simply like, well, I, I feel like I've kind of got a little cold or a little bit of a virus or a flu or something. I'm a little bit tired. So the effects on all the people I know who vaccinated, 
Many cases boosted, many cases have had it, but they've gotten it again. And these are people who haven't been reckless. These are people who've been kind of careful, but obviously it shows how how virulent this particular spread is. But again, the, the good news is nothing severe, and which to me is, is again, the argument for why people get, get yourself vaccinated, get yourself boosted if you're eligible for it, because it will minimize the, those consequences. And we're really, I think, back right now to the idea of where we were two years ago, flattening the curve, trying to do the stuff that we need to do to make sure that the hospital system is not overwhelmed. In other words, particularly when it comes to, I don't know, the people who are most vulnerable to this, they need to take a few extra precautions. So where am I going with this? Well, I think, and you're starting to see that with, I don't know, the Biden administration saying that they're going to send out tests. They are essentially acknowledging that people are going to continue to get COVID, that that's that's what's going to happen. And so the idea is, okay, give yourself a test, and and then if you know this and you're asymptomatic, and a good portion of the people are, are, are asymptomatic. I mean, a couple of people I know who got COVID, it was only because somebody in their family or somebody they've been close with got COVID. They were showing, like, almost no symptoms at all, but they got the tests. So there's a huge number of people who are asymptomatic, but by sending out tests, maybe the idea is you can figure out that you have COVID, even though, you know, you're vaccinated, you're boosted, all these different things. So you, know, you cannot go out in public and not get other people sick. But the truth of this, I think the one reality, and it's an uncomfortable reality that we're confronting now, is that COVID isn't going anywhere. It's going to be with us, not just this season, but my guess is it's going to be with us next year as well. Now, one of the Good things, if you can find a silver lining in this latest variant, is that people are suggesting that the the complications of it are are not as bad. Even though this spreads more quickly, the people who get it don't get as sick, and that's particularly true for people who are vaccinated and boosted and all those things, which is the reason why you do it. But I guess what I want to discuss with you, because it's becoming clearer and clearer to me, that we are going to have to figure out a way to live with covid for the foreseeable future and and that that might be that might be years because covid is going to be with us now the best case scenario i think is that covid gets to a point where there's these strains of the virus that are out there but it is it's weaker so it becomes more and more like the flu so you you have this seasonal sort of thing that's there and again the idea is to make sure it doesn't impact too terribly many people. But the more and more I see this, I, I think the reality is COVID's not going anywhere. And we've really got two choices in this world. One is to say, okay, we're going to go down into our basements. We're going to put up a bunch of sandbags and we're, we're going to not have any interaction. Or the other, the other option is to say, look, we, we've just got to recognize that this is here. We have to live with it. We have to be smart. We have to get our vaccines. We have to get our boosters. I think there's people out there that just, I you know, poo-poo some of this other stuff that's there, and and I have issues with this as well because look, I I take in addition to having booster, boosters, in addition to getting vaccinated and having the booster, I also, I mean, I take vitamins. I mean, I take vitamin C, I take vitamin D, I do those types of things, and it's not because I think that the vitamins alone are going to stop me from getting COVID again, but it's going to be. I, I don't guess I think it it can't hurt, and so I, I mean, I think there's some people that just want to put all their belief in vaccines, and that's a smart thing to do. 
take your vaccine, get your booster. But I don't know. I mean, some of these other treatments that are there, these vaccines are they have different vitamins. I think that makes sense to me. And these latest developments that say that, hey, we think that we're going to have this pill that's out there that when you start to show the first signs of COVID, you take it and it's going to minimize symptoms, kind of like the pill that they give you for the flu nowadays. Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is COVID going to go away? Or is the reality that it is going to be with us for the foreseeable future. And by that, I mean years. And as a result of that, do we just have to figure out a way to, to live with it? And should, when we look at, I don't know, how panicked and concerned we should be, should we be looking at things like, well, let's forget case counts necessarily. Let's look at hospitalizations. Let's look at deaths. Do we need to kind of change the way we deal with this? Because Joe Biden said a year ago he was going to shut down the virus. He hasn't shut down the virus. I don't fault him for that. I'm not sure that anybody can shut down the virus. So do we need to figure out a way to live with this? Because I'll tell you, as people start talking about lockdowns and restrictions, I don't think the American people are willing to do that anymore. 855-616-1620. We discuss. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, I really think you saw a sea change yesterday from the president who, during the campaign, said, oh, we're going to shut down COVID, recognizing that we haven't shut down COVID and probably recognizing that there was no realistic chance that we were going to shut down COVID because you have all these different variants that are going to keep coming out. I think the reality is that we're going to be looking at uh, for the next several years, we're going to be looking at COVID. Now, the hope is that it can become, the word they use is endemic, kind of like the the, the common cold or sort of like the, the seasonal flu, things like that, where, again, there's precautions that you can take, but it, it doesn't overwhelm the hospital system. Uh, it's just, okay, a, a segment of the society gets sick. And nobody wants to get the flu. Nobody wants to get COVID. But I'm just, I'm looking around right now, and I, I know we thought these vaccines were going to be the magic bullet. Remember, that was it. We thought these vaccines were going to be the magic bullet. And like I'm saying, I know a lot of people just in the last couple of weeks, vaccinated, boosted, have had COVID, and they have it again. And, and again, I, the, the good news is they don't have severe complications, which is, is again, it's it's a good thing. But I think this might very well be kind of the new normal that's out there. 855-616-1620. Jim in Cedarburg. Jim, you're first. Hi, Jeff. Merry Christmas to you and Fran. Merry Christmas to Um, you, sir. Jeff, thank you. um, Jeff, personally, I think Biden, up with the strain that was in, in existence when he came in, you know, he's working with the Delta variant, not with variant, which is just now evolving. Mm-hmm. So people getting the Omicron are just now finding out. That's only been around for like a month since before Thanksgiving. Well, they only like, found it. I don't know, Jim. I think it's probably been around for a lot longer. We just because, you know, when people went in and tested it, they never got tested for is it Delta? Is it Omicron or whatever? My guess is my guess is it's a re- in the real world. It was probably here for a lot longer than that. But what do I know? Yeah, well, you know, Omicron came out of South Africa, and it came, the world only became aware of it back in... The, the world only became aware of it. That's correct, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And there was another point I was going to make, Jeff. Um, can you go back and rehash at the beginning of what you're saying about... Um, personally, I think Biden's done a pretty good job 
and he didn't like not live up to his word. And oh, what I was going to say, Jeff, is yes, I think the va- the virus is going to be around, but in different mutation strains. As long as people continue to um, be obstinate and not go get themselves vaccinated, what will happen is the people who are non-vaccinated will continue to give rise to new mutant strains. And that makes the pe- those of us who play by the rules, like yourself, yep. you know, all the more upset with people who refuse to go out and get vaccinated. Because that's the crowd that's going to continue to eventually probably come up with a new mutant virus that'll end up getting all of us, regardless of whether you're vaccinated or not. I will. And to that point, Jim, I, I don't disagree. I mean, I, I think, and I've said this repeatedly, which is I think you should do as I do, which is I, I got, unless you have a compelling health reason not to, I, I, I recommend people get vaccinated, get the booster shot, because again, it, it's now very apparent. I don't even think that we're going to be calling them breakthroughs anymore. It, it's very apparent that even if you have the boosters and the vaccinations, I, I don't know that it's going to stop you from getting COVID. Certainly people in my life, it's not stopping them. But at the same time, that doesn't mean it's not worthwhile because it's I don't I don't want to see people in, in the hospitals that that's it. And if it so, I mean, I, I think that there is a value to it. But at the same time, maybe we need to start to measure things in a different way. And maybe we need to be less concerned about the, the number of people who are identified with it and more about the consequences of this, how many people are being hospitalized, how all that, which is one of the reasons why, candidly, I, I think this this announcement today that they've got the pill that's out there, that if you at this onset of symptoms, you take the, the pills, what ends up happening is you you can minimize the, the consequences. And, and that's true. I mean, I've told this story before. I think it was two years ago. It was before it was before COVID, whatever the year was before COVID. I get the flu shot every year. I got the flu. All right. And I felt bad for I, I got the flu. I had my flu shot. I got that that pill that they give you, thermoflu or whatever they call it, Terraflu, whatever. I took it and I felt bad for a day instead of feeling bad for a week or being in the hospital or things like that. Th- those are the things that I think get us through COVID understanding that we're not going to probably be able to stop people from getting sick and and catching it. And I also understand that for the people who are most vulnerable, and and that is the the people with the underlying health conditions and people who are older, and particularly people who are older with underlying health conditions, this is always going to be a a risk. Hopefully it becomes less of a risk, but it's going to be with us. So maybe we need to kind of pivot and stop thinking about how are we going to stop this and figure out more like how are we going to be able to live with this? And that is, I think the testing is 100% on. You know, find out. Let, let's let's have people. If you're not feeling well, I, I don't think it's practical to say. I had a texture yesterday saying I think people should have be required to give themselves a test every morning, regardless of how they feel. Well, that's not real world, and that's not practical. But but yeah, I, I guess it's one of those things that if you've got multiple symptoms of COVID or you've been exposed to it, you know, take the test and then you know, hopefully, even if you have it, you won't feel bad. But then you won't go out in public and infect other people. You can make those decisions. So I think testing is one of the ways out of this, but. But this idea that it's going to go away isn't going to happen. I just don't see it happening anywhere in the near future. And for people who want to defend Biden's handling on it, like I say, I think I, I, I think. Trump, I mean, Trump's the one that got all the vaccine stuff started. I think everybody felt that once we get the vaccinations, that's going to be the magic bullet. And that hasn't been the case. It's 
it's more of a problem. So maybe we just have to figure out how to live with it. And for some people, it's going to suck more because it does mean maybe they're going to have to change their lifestyle, particularly the people that are most vulnerable. Just saying. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Welcome back. Merry Christmas. I am uh, working tomorrow, so I'm, I'm here not on Christmas Eve, but I'll be here tomorrow as well. So check that out. Yeah, Tom Barrett stepping down at 5 o'clock today. I, made the, I mean, the, the cheap joke that's out there is, okay, he's going to be sworn in as the ambassador to Luxembourg tomorrow. How long is it going to be before Luxembourg starts experiencing an increase in auto thefts? But um, boom. Who knows? He got a lot of bicycles in, in Luxembourg as well. Maybe that'll be where the, the, the wave increases. Okay. As we talked about in the last segment of the program, I I, I think we've got to figure out how to live with, with COVID and flatten the curve. We're really back at, at that stage now. And because I think the reality is, and what you're seeing is that even, even people who are vaccinated, even people who have boosters, even people who have had COVID, they're, they're starting to get it. Now, again, the, the good news is for the most part, if you're in that situation and you've been vaccinated, you had a booster, even if you get it, you're, you're not going to be really sick. And that, that's, that's the good news. And if we can get COVID to the point that it is endemic, that's the word they use, where it's, it's a seasonal sort of thing and it's, it's no worse than the flu or a cold. And that's not where we're at right now. But if you can get it to that point, well, then you're just going to have to figure out how to live with it. And, and you're seeing it. COVID right now is it's it appears to be more and more seasonal. While Omicron is spreading all over the country, it's worse in some parts of the country than others. It is particularly bad in the colder states. Why? Because again, this is a seasonal sort of thing. It gets cold, and around here or in Michigan or in Minnesota or wherever, people tend to go inside and they're in indoor gatherings during the summer. Yeah, you're out at gatherings, but you're outside and COVID, regardless of what form it is, does not spread as much outside as inside. Doesn't say it can't spread. So anyhow, people are trying to come up with ideas as to how to deal with this. I think most politicians recognize that shutdowns we we cannot go back to where we to where we were you know going on two years ago the the american public just isn't going to put up with it I, I think also you can make an argument that the shutdowns really didn't work i mean because of all the different variants that are out there we, we do the shutdowns and then it's unless you're going to just shut down the world for for years you know once once you start to reopen you know covid makes its return which is why i keep saying you have to figure out how to live with it you also have to figure out how to to be smart about this. The mayor of Chicago, very controversial, lightning rod Lori Lightfoot, she just announced yesterday that she was imposing rules. Now, Illinois has a statewide mask mandate. If you're in indoor spaces, you are supposed to wear a mask. That's what the rules say. Lori Lightfoot said starting January 3rd, which is kind of interesting that she's waited till after the holidays. But starting January 3rd, the city of Chicago is going to resume its, um, its, its proof. It's going to impose a proof of vaccination to go into certain indoor businesses. So in other words, if you want to go into some types of indoor businesses, restaurants, bars, 
fast food establishments, coffee shops, tasting rooms, cafeterias, food courts, dining areas of grocery stores, breweries, wineries, distilleries, banquet halls, hotel, ballrooms, movie theaters, music and concert venues, live performance venues, adult entertainment venues, hmm, commercial event and party venues, sports arenas, performing arts theaters, bowling alleys, arcades, and car room, card rooms. If you want to go into those places, you have to show proof of vaccination. And in this case, it's one shot of J&J or it's two shots of either Pfizer or Moderna did not a requirement that you be boosted. Or alternatively, you have to show proof of a negative COVID test taken, I believe, 24 hours beforehand. I believe it's 24 hours, could be 72, but I think it's 24. But But you have to do that. The rule does not require you to have proof of vaccination if you want to go into any of the other places. So it, it doesn't apply to hair salons. It doesn't apply to hardware stores. It doesn't apply to big box retailers. It doesn't apply to, I mean, auto showrooms and things of, of the like. So it's targeted just at entertainment venues. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Could you support something like this? Uh, the, the outgoing mayor of Milwaukee, Tom Barrett, he said, well, we're not there yet, but maybe we'd be looking at something like this. Is it fair, is it necessary, in an effort to stop the spread of COVID, to single out certain businesses and say, okay, we're going to apply a vaccine mandate to your business and your business and your business, but not to yours or yours or yours or yours? I mean, if you're going to go the vaccine mandate route, I don't know, shouldn't it be all or nothing? 855-616-1620. And will this do anything to realistically stop the spread. You know, one of the reasons the city of Milwaukee has not imposed a, a mask mandate is that, again, it not reinstitute a mask mandate, is because they, they've looked at it and they, they came out to their credit and they said, look, we, we don't think the real spread is happening in like bars and restaurants and things like that. You know, we believe that the data shows that the, the real spread of the virus is at, at private parties and it's in people's houses and it's things like that and that we have no ability to control one way or the other. So why impose a requirement on a bar when it really might not make any difference because, you know, if people are just going to go get together 10 or 15 or 20 people in, in their house for a New Year's Eve party or whatever, something that we cannot realistically control, well, if that's where it's spreading, why why put this requirement, this vaccine requirement on the, the bars? 855-616-1620, we discuss. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, it's not going to stop the spread of COVID. We're talking about if you would impose a vaccination requirement before you could go into bars or essentially entertainment venues, which is what they're going to do in Chicago. But it only applies to entertainment venues. 855-616-1620. Let's start with uh, Rob in Mount Prospect. Hi, Rob. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? Good. What do you think? I live down in the Chicago area, and personally, I've, I've been to concerts and I've been to entertainment festivals, and I think it gives me a better sense of confidence if they are making sure that people have, uh, I'm probably more likely to go, in fact. I'm probably more likely to go to a bar that is asking people to be show proof of vaccination, so I'm probably actually more likely to spend money there. 
so it actually might do better for the business there. And I don't think they're shutting these things down. Heck, all summer long, we went to uh, concerts and stuff where they had to show proof of vaccination. Mm-hmm. didn't shut anything down. It just encouraged people to get vaccinated. It encouraged people to live with the virus. Why? Let me okay, well, let me ask you this then. Okay, let me ask you this. If if that's the case, why limit it then just to entertainment venues? Why limit it to barns and restaurants? Why why don't we expand it to everywhere? You know, if if you want to go to the grocery store, if you want to go to the hardware store. Jeffrey, at the grocery store, people wear their masks all the time. They don't take their masks off to talk. I I, I don't know. I mean, I live. I go all over the Illinois area. Unfortunately, like in Rockford. Nobody's wearing masks. Right. Indoors, outdoors, at a grocery store. I don't know why, but that's the way they are. Now, in the Chicago area, people are wearing their masks down the aisles, all the way at the cash register. So I don't think the kind of businesses you're thinking about are where people are taking off masks. They're not. They're leaving them on. Huh. And if they and if and you know, that's just what I see. Okay, good uh, enough. Thank, thanks. Very, for, okay, I appreciate it. Thanks for, I mean, I guess that's now again in Chicago, the, Illinois, I think, still has a statewide indoor mask mandate. Um, in Wisconsin, we, we don't have that requirement. I guess I just, I, I mean, see, intellectually, if the I, I don't, I, and I've had this problem from the beginning with like picking the, the winners and losers. If we've decided that we want to have a, you know, that, that you, you, in order to stop the spread and in order to essentially force people who would otherwise choose not to get vaccinated, a decision that I think is a bad decision, as I keep saying, but to force people to do that, well, why why do you pick winners and losers? Why do you pick out the, the restaurants? Why do you pick out the bars? Why do you pick out the bowling alleys and not... I mean, you, people are going to be standing in line at the grocery stores. People are standing in line at the dog groomers. People are standing in line at the hardware stores. And I, I'm not... I'm not advocating this. I'm just saying what what is the intellectual justification for picking out some businesses as opposed to other businesses? And if you do pick and choose, is it simply because, well, politically, we, we don't think we have the will to impose it? If we said it's all across the board, that, that people wouldn't follow it. So now we're going to pick winners and losers. 855-616-1620. Mike from Illinois. Hi, Mike. You're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? I'm good. What do you think? Well, I think, to kind of answer your question, I think some of those places, like, and I, I know the rules are going to apply to bars, restaurants, and gyms, et cetera. Um, I think those kind of places entertain me. People are a lot of times in closer proximity. Um, they might be shouting a little more or, you know, using a little more physical exertion. Um, in restaurants, obviously not as much, but uh, you do have people eating, so they won't be wearing masks. Uh, kind of like that other caller said, I, I don't live too far from Mount Prospect. Um, people are wearing their masks in, you know, stores and stuff like that. Um, I would say 99% of people are wearing their masks. So um, I just think those entertainment venues, you know, they're, they get a little more crazy. You know, people are a little more wild in those things. So I, there might be a better chance of spreading. Do you think this will make people more or less likely to go to those venues? For me, and I've been back, I just had my booster on mm-hmm. Sunday, I don't think it would make a difference for me. Um, No, and you know the people that are hardcore anti-vaxxers, you know, they're not going to go, or they might get a fake vax card. Um, The people that are vaxxed, you know, there probably will be some that, you know, always want to err on the side of caution, and that will make them more likely to. So it could be a wash, uh, hard Mm -hmm. to say. There's probably, um, 
less anti-vaxxers than there are vaxxers. So, you know, but some of the vaxxers like me, I'm not, you know, paranoid about it. I'm just, you know, erring on the side of caution. Yeah, and I think the reason I ask is because, see, for me, and again, I'm vaccinated, have my booster, I've had COVID. But like I was saying in the last segment of the program, that that's that is certainly not a guarantee that you're not going to come down with whatever this latest variant is, because I know several people in my life who are um, in exactly that same category, and they've, they've come down with, with COVID. Now, again, thankfully, in, in no cases has it been anything more than a very, very minor thing, which to me is what, what makes it worthwhile to get the vaccination and to get the, the, the get it boosted, uh, get the boosters and all. I guess so for me, to me, it's, it would be a non-factor. Um, all it is is kind of the, the, you know, pain and having to, to show your vaccination card, which is, is fine. And it's going to be certainly a burden on the restaurants, bars, bowling alleys, entertainment centers, and all that to have to check people's vaccination cards. But I guess, you know, you assign an employee to do it. And, and it's something that I think the businesses could work out. I'm just not sure that it's going to materially make that much of a difference. Plus, I guess I, I do think it's going to hurt the businesses. And that is that there will be a percentage of the population if for example, what's the numbers in Wisconsin? That we, we have about 40% of, let's say we did something like this in Wisconsin. You've got 40% of the population that is unvaccinated. So now you're going to tell that 40% of the population, four out of 10, that you can't go to bars, you can't go to restaurants, you're not going to be allowed to go to, you know, to sit down to eat, you're not going to be able to go to fa- inside fast food places. Well, imagine what that's going to do to the businesses. I guess the fundamental question is, is the impact that you're going to have on a select group of businesses and an industry, is that going to be enough to, um, are we really materially making things safer for the people who would be in that, which would be the people who are vaccinated and have have their boosters. I mean, are you really making it materially safer for those people? Because the folks who have made the decisions to not get vaccinated, well, they're probably not going to change. And that's where I raise the question about, is this really meaningful or is it virtue signaling? Is it enforceable? Kind of like, you know, Chicago for the longest time, it had that travel ban. If you come to Chicago from Milwaukee, um, what you have to do is you have to quarantine yourself for a week. I, I don't know that there was really anybody who did that, and I don't know how enforceable this stuff is going to be. We're, we're wrestling with and we're trying to figure out how to live with COVID, and I, I appreciate all that. I think sometimes, though, we, we have these knee-jerk reactions to stuff, and it might sound good on paper without people necessarily thinking through all the implications of it. Again, this comes from the perspective of somebody that I, 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 I've got all, I've got all my shots. I have no problems. You know, if I have to go into a place, I can show it. I can prove that I've got them. So I, I can go to those bars and restaurants regardless. But a lot of people won't be able to do that. And by keeping them out of those bars and restaurants, does it really make people safer? That's the issue. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. This is Jeff Wagner. We're going to switch gears in the next hour. Um, we've been talking about serious stuff for the first couple hours. Christmas is coming. Even more importantly, Christmas Eve is coming. And I know there's a lot of people out there. There's, I've always, as I often say, there, there's two types of people in the world. And Melissa, we, we've talked about this before. I, there, there's the people that push the button, like when you, you've got the, the remote on the TV. And mm-hmm. you, you, you push it and it doesn't work. There's people who stop and try to figure out why it didn't work. And then there's people who just push it over and over and over <laughs> again. I, and, and of course, I think we've all been 
that type of person well, at some well, point. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, and we, we've said this, and I always I tease my wife. My wife is one of these people who pushes the buttons, I as are you. multiple <laughs> friends. I, I'm I'm not, and and typically, you know, you push the button, and generally speaking, you make matters worse. If it didn't work the first time, pushing it eight other times isn't going to make it worse, and generally get it off on some weird setting. But so there's different types of people in the world. There's people who push the button. There's people who don't. The other type is there are people who have all their Christmas shopping done. Mm. Everything is wrapped. No problem. And then there are folks who are going, hey, I'm listening to this guy on the radio. That's right. Christmas is coming up on Saturday. We're going to talk about those different types of people in just a minute. Um, So stick around. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. As I was saying earlier, there, there's, there's two different types of people in the world. One is that type of person that has their Christmas shopping done by the middle of November. I, I have a dear friend like that. Their, um, their home right now looks like a toy store simply because lots of kids, lots of grandkids, lots of packages and presents, all wrapped, all set to go. You you could just, I mean, you could walk in tomorrow and you could have Christmas morning. You know, Santa could come tonight. It would be all set. Then there are other types of, of people. Uh, Melissa, I had a friend a number of years ago who, honest to goodness, delayed all their Christmas shopping until Christmas Eve. That That was... That was the thing. And now this was before Internet shopping and stuff like that. But but Christmas Eve, leave work a little bit early and start like at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So it's kind of like um, a Black Friday thing, right? You just go... Well, I mean, right. You, you, crazy and right, just go to all right, the stores. Right. That, that, that's exactly right. And the, the one thing is um, you don't really dilly-dally over stuff. If you've got your shopping list here, it's like, okay, I've got to get these different gifts. <laughs> just and, grab and, and go. Well, yeah. grab. It's, it's kind of like, huh, all right. I, I wonder if they have it in green. I don't care. I'm grabbing the red one. You know, <laughs> yes, it's, uh, exactly. But, but, it, but, it was, but it was the... The, the fun and the, but they, they truly enjoyed it. And, you know, part of it maybe was, you know, just procrastinating to get to that point. But I think there was this kind of like fun thing. Like adrenaline of, rush. Of the pressure that, okay, I've got to get this done, can't <laughs> delay it. And they did that. Um, and then, of course, there's the other type of people who by mid-November have everything done and it's all taken care of. Now, I, I'm really in between because for most of my life, I have had women in my life that have taken care of all that, which is for all the people who get packages and get gifts from the Wagner family, you are very, very lucky that in this case, for example, it's Fran that takes care of all that. Because right, sure. a lot of thought goes into it, mm-hmm. a lot of preparation, the stuff is all done. So, I mean, she announced to me, like yesterday, she said, everything is wrapped, everything is set, everything is under the Christmas tree and all these nice little things, and it's all taken care of. So. There's no pressure, which I appreciate because, I mean, I'm, I'm working tomorrow and the idea of being told, okay, tomorrow night I need you to run out and do this or Christmas morning, even morning I need you to run out and do this. I, I would have done it, but I, I wasn't thrilled about it. But I know that there are people who thrive on it. Now, you are not one of those people. I'm not. I've had years where I've cut it pretty close, but never doing like all my shopping on Christmas Eve. Uh, and now this year has been so strange. I think the pandemic has had quite an effect on me where I get everything done. Right. Like, way beforehand i've had my gifts wrapped for two weeks and and normally that's that's not me right but, but i've i've learned you know planning a little bit helps that's it Takes okay the pressure all up. right so melissa is one of those like 
early, at least this year at least, mm-hmm. all set, all done, calm, yes. no need to worry, can just concentrate on enjoying the, the holiday over the next couple of days and that stuff. That would be correct, yes. All right, well, there is a value to that, but of course, she's going to miss that adrenaline rush of perhaps standing in line trying to figure out how to get that, you know, last second gift for the person that needs the gift. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here is my question to you. All right, which type of person are you? Has the shopping been done? Or are you one of those last minute type of, I like to run out and get stuff? What's the merits of both? We discuss in just a minute. 855-616-1620. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'll tell you why, Santa Claus is coming to town. 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, for some people who have gifts that they have to buy, and you are listening to the program now, you're going, oh, Christmas, when I, I, I've got plenty of time. Well, here's the deal. This is Wednesday. Christmas Eve is Friday. Christmas Day is Saturday. So you're, you're, you're kind of running out of, of that time. Um, for some people, they just do not understand the fact that people could not have all their gifts purchased. So when do you buy your Christmas gifts? 855-616-1620. Jeff, I shop all year long. It lets me catch some great deals. The problem, though, is I throw it all in a bin. I open it up in November, and I legitimately forgot who I bought stuff for. What? Who did I buy this this particular set for? That is always the problem that that is that is out there. Now, it, it is true as we, you know, as we travel. Like for example, you know, if we're we were, you know, in France earlier this year, and, and I know, you know, I know Fran bought a couple ornaments and a couple gifts that I think are, are going to find their way to other people over the course of the holidays. Um, you know, maybe you're, you're somewhere, and, and, and that would be the one exception. If I'm, if I'm in Key West or something, and I, I know somebody that's got a particular fondness for Key West, and I see something in one of those shops, I'll go in and I'll get it. And then, of course, then my problem is remembering again who I purchased it for and remembering, um, you know where where I put it because that's my other problem. It's like I swear back when we were when we were somewhere in April, didn't didn't we? I know I bought something for my brother. Where is it? And then of course you're off to the races, Jeff. For us, everything was purchased and wrapped. It's been under the trees for three weeks, thanks to Amazon. Well, Amazon is is actually it is both a blessing and a curse. First of all, Amazon makes it extremely easy to do your shopping. I mean, Amazon, if you, if you know, for example, that you want to, you know, you want to buy, you know, uh, your, your uncle, your uncle loves Tommy Bahama stuff. Well, okay. You can, you know, you can, you can find the Tommy Bahama stuff. You can pick out what the color is. You can order it and you can, you know, get it there. So it, it, it makes it easy. At the same time, it also allows you to procrastinate because in many cases, the stuff that you get online, okay, I, I know I want this particular shirt or whatever. Maybe it's going to be sold out if I go to the store or maybe I'm going to have trouble finding it in that particular size. Well, you know, when you're doing the internet shopping, in many cases, the stuff isn't going to be sold out. You can wait till the last minute and then you can say, I can get this emergency delivery. They'll still send it to me by Christmas and I know I can get it in the size that I want and I'll make it work there. Jeff, I plan, make, and shop for gifts all year. 
Um, at gift giving seasons, it keeps me grounded and my heart with gifts I pick for the people I love. Now, see, now that's a, that's a, a great idea that you're able to, you know, that that's, that they're able to, um, you know, do this. Jeff, typically my husband will help me with wrapping cookies, cards, grocery shopping, and chores the week of Christmas. Well, he has COVID, so not only am I working my job, but now I'm doing all the Christmas prep solo. And usually I get this stuff uh, done for two weeks, but now I'm in a situation where I'm kind of rushing things, which is, um, you know, one of those tough elements that are out there. Um, Jeff and other people say everything I've purchased, it's wrapped, it's all set. I think the vast majority of people, and I, again, I hate to be, don't want to be sexist in this, but for the majority of us who have women in our lives, I, I think this might be a kind of, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus sort of thing as well. Because I think generally, if you live in a house like I do, where your spouse controls this stuff and is in charge of it and does a great job with it, is an organized for all those things, it's great. So that's kind of the division we have in the Wagner household. I'm in charge of the important stuff like world peace, and Fran is in charge of, of everything else, like getting the holiday stuff all done. She actually does a great job with that. She tells me I'm doing a crummy job with world peace, and that's okay. That, that all works out. The other thing with guys there, there's always the the one the one go to. Now this doesn't apply for like small children, but the the one go to that guys always have when it gets to that that desperation stage. There's always going to be a liquor store. You know, you you stop by Total Wine, you stop by Autos, you stop by you know all, all these places, and you go okay, well here I, I got to get a I got to get a gift for my my buddy Kyle here. Well, I he drinks bourbon. Okay, I, this is a good bourbon. I'll, I'll get that. So there, there's always that that liquor store that's out there, and that's the fallback present for guys. My wife would not give that as a gift, which is why, like I say, you're, if, if you get presents from us, you're much better off that she is in charge of it instead of me. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to um, have you with us. A uh, lot of interesting stuff, uh, the whole idea of when you buy gifts. Jeff, myself and my peers have been ordering our selected gifts directly to each other's houses. Due to the supply chain disruption this year, I wasn't able to get them in time. When it comes to ordering directly to the house, I don't have to wrap anything. Um, the items are still a surprise, and it's a surprise because neither one of us know when it's going to show up at their doorstep. It is the modern Christmas. Yeah, that's uh, that's it. Okay, now I, I want to provide a service on this program for the people who are procrastinators. I I have in my hands a list of the places that are open on Christmas Eve and and a number of the stores that you might want to go to and how late they are open. And of course, it's a little bit different this year because as happens periodically, um, this year Christmas is on a Saturday. So for many people, Friday is the holiday. You know, the Christmas Eve is is the holiday. Um, So it, it's a, it's a little bit different, but here here's okay. Here's some of the places that you might be inclined to go. Ace Hardware, okay. Now nothing to me says Christmas like a gift from Ace Hardware. But if you were going to Ace Hardware, there most are open. And this is most of them open regular hours on Friday. Uh, Barnes and Noble Christmas Eve. 
Uh, books are always a great thing. Uh, all stores close at 6 o'clock p.m. Bass Pro Shops, nothing says Christmas like fly fishing. Bass Pro Shops, uh, they're open till 6 p.m. on Friday. Bed and uh, Bath and Body Works, Christmas hours. Okay, well, that's kind of a good tip. Um, most stores close at 4 p.m. on Friday, so if you're heading there, try to hit that early. Uh, Best Buy Christmas Eve hours, they are open um, seven till 7 p.m. So, you know, if you're looking for something, Best Buy, that's always a good sort of thing. They're there till 7. Cabela's. If you can't find it at Cabela's, I mean, you don't need it. Cabela's um, closed Christmas Day, open till 6 p.m. on Christmas Eve. Um, CVS pharmacies huh okay want to give some shaving cream or something like that as a gift cvs pharmacies they're open at regular hours dick's sporting goods christmas eve they are open till six o'clock dollar general christmas eve hours all right so this is for the guys out there who are really really desperate and there's no other place open dollar general those stores close 10 p.m um, you know, 10 p.m. on Christmas Eve. So you know that, hey, it's 8 o'clock and you're still at that holiday party and you still have to get that gift for someone special. Dollar Dollar General is out there. Uh, let's see, Family Dollar. Um, that varies. Uh, most will operate with abbreviated hours. GameStop. All right, GameStop for the kids. Open till, um, many are open till 9 p.m. on Friday. They obviously realized that, <laughs> they obviously realize that this is one of those deals where you have some of those parents that figure out we didn't get the you know GI Joe with the kung fu grips or whatever and we need that extra gift so let's go get the uh, game Home Depot all right because again nothing says Christmas like a power drill um, most are open till five p.m. now your local one might vary a little bit but five p.m. and it goes on and on but the bottom line is um, K Jewelers six p.m. So you got that if you're looking for that. Sam's Club. Sam's Club closes at 6 p.m. Target. Okay, Target, recognizing that, you know, there's going to be a lot of those last-minute shoppers out there, and you know who you are. Target, uh, on Christmas Eve, they are typically open till 8 p.m. So Target gives you an extra couple hours if you're one of the folks that's decided that you want to wait until the last moment. But the bottom line, that kind of gives you an idea of the stuff that is out there um, Walgreens open regular hours as well. Walmart's open till 6 p.m. So there is still a chance. But for people who may not have been, you know, have not been paying attention to what's going on in the world because you've been worried about, gee, what's going to happen in, in, in Ukraine or what's the latest thing that's going on with the January 6th commission or what's going to be the latest pronouncement with regard to the latest variant or when is Tom Barrett going to leave Milwaukee to go to Luxembourg? If you've been obsessed with those big issues and you've happened to forget, you know, what's going to happen this weekend and you haven't gotten your Christmas shopping done, there are still alternatives that are out there it would be if i were a tv news director and i had the people that was working that were working on christmas eve i I would tell you if i was doing the six o'clock news on christmas eve i would i would have a truck out at the nearest target store because i think that would be kind of fascinating to interview the people that are running into the target store at oh i say 6 20 at night and you the question would be Okay, is this just trying to get just something because you've realized that, hey, I've got all these people coming over in a couple hours or there's all these people coming over to the house tomorrow and I need one other thing because I just found out that I'm missing this and so I'm up here at Target for that? 
or would you be doing it because, hey, no, it's 620. I, Target's open till 8 o'clock. I know I've got all sorts of time here. <laughs> and, and you know, I can do a lot of damage in Target for an hour. Jeff, Dollar General is a great place to get gift bags and wrapping paper. No question about it. It's also great for cards and things like that. Jeff, I got my husband a grill last year from Ace Hardware. They had a nice selection there. So just says that there's all these things. Peter from the South Side says, I have 11 gifts to buy. Still, five grandkids, three kids, a wife, and two friends. I have not started anything yet. I won't do it until Friday as usual. Hmm. Now, see, he's going to be lucky this year, too. But the other problem with waiting till that last minute is what happens if the weather's really crummy? Because then, you know, then the deal is, oh, my gosh, I've got 11 gifts to buy. I've got five hours to do it. And and I've got six inches of snow on the ground. Now, we're not going to have that. But but maybe if you're one of those people that thrive on that sort of stuff, I say go with God. Me, I'm glad Fran takes care of it all. Well, John McCure and Melissa Barkley, and I believe Greg Matzik, will check in with them in a minute, see what they have on their agenda for Wisconsin's Afternoon News.